Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. It's the last episode in the series, but I've got a right old festive treat for you this week. My guest is the Reverend Kate Botley, who you can hear co-presenting Good Morning Sunday every week on Radio 2 with Jason Mohammed. Kate entered the public eye when she was a regular on Channel 4's Gogglebox, and she tells me how, as a mum of two, it was a huge decision to allow TV cameras into the family home. We also chat about how her faith influences her parenting, and why having teenagers isn't as scary as people make out. In fact, Kate loves it. I had such a great time chatting to Kate. She was so warm and wise. Basically everything you'd expect from a priest. And I kind of wanted her to be my mum. Is that weird? Anyway, here's our chat. I really hope you enjoy. Welcome, massive welcome to you, Kate. Thanks. To Not Another Mummy Podcast. <laughs> um, I'm so, so happy to chat to you. I'm a bit out of breath. I've just kind of like raced here. And Are you all right? Down. I'm, I'm Can good. I make you tea? Well, I, I would love a cup of tea, but you we'll know what? We'll do that in a bit. Yeah, yeah. We'll that, do that in a bit. That, that can be our reward for getting through this arduous podcast. No, no, it won't be arduous. <laughs> It'll be fun. Um, we can't not talk about the viral video that started it all Gosh, for that was a long time ago now, was it wasn't six it? Years it must ago? be six years now, yeah. um, And you were marrying a couple and took part in a flash mob dance. I did, you? I did. So uh, Gary and Tracy uh, wanted their wedding to be the best wedding that any of their friends had ever been to, which is what everybody wants, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and I'm the, I'm the person that likes to say yes, if I can make something happen, I will. Did you say yes immediately? Well... They we tell different stories because they say I say it was their idea and they say it was my idea. Um, <laughs> Passing the buck. So it's like one of those things where I just said what do you, they I said what do you want they said what do you do and I said well I have always fancied doing one of those flash mobs. I mean it's very nineteen nineties but the church is always at least a good forty years behind the curve <laughs> in it. Um, so I. And we went for it. They had um, nine weeks of dancing lessons and I they sent me a video on my phone and I watched it and went, oh, I can do that. I'll freestyle it if I have to. Um, yeah, and I did it because I wanted to make them happy, you know, mm. and it was just a, a little glimpse of a whole hour-long service. So to all intents and purposes, this was a really traditional church wedding. Yeah. You know, they always are because that's, de- that's what we deliver. That's what we offer as a church. We offer, you know, you know what you're getting, right? Yeah. But they wanted that 
that moment and what we increasingly is that people do want that whole sort of they want it to be traditional and proper but they also want it to be have a moment that is completely them they want a little twist on something yeah of course that's what people that's so cool Um, what was the reaction Um, I mean obviously it was a massive reaction that you got it went viral on YouTube it did what was that like to go from being anonymous to being famous on the internet well it was um people kept tagging me in it friends of mine kept tagging me like I hadn't seen it and I was like I was there I know what happened um it they posted it on the Friday night after their wedding for friends of theirs to see that hadn't been able to be there like people do um and when it got to 10,000 hits on the Friday night I thought I don't think they have that many friends I mean they were popular right but they weren't that popular um it was a bit of a head mess if I'm honest Mm. it was really tricky um because I naively thought that everybody would understand why someone would do something like that at a wedding, which is to make the bride and groom happy. So did you get criticism? Oh, yeah, there were oh. some very grumpy people. But, uh, you know, well, p- whenever anything goes online, right, there's going to be grumpy people. You don't, you you know, you can post, I don't know, a picture of your shoes and people go, you know, people yeah. find something to criticise, won't they? That's the nature of the beast is that, you know, there are keyboard warriors out there. We know that, yeah. whose filters are not up. They don't remember that there are real people behind those tweets and those you know those posts um and so yeah it was both the best thing absolutely brilliant absolutely loved it and most people let's get it right most people thought it was brilliant and lovely including you know bishops and archbishops and well, all those kind of people and the authorities Did your superiors and, what, what, oh was they anyone... thought it was great and of course they know me really well so they were not surprised at all <laughs> like any other any other clergy person this might not have been right for and to be honest with you any other couple this might not have been right for mm. But I like to think that I've got quite a good gift of discernment and I'm fairly sensible. You know, I wouldn't do it at every wedding. I wouldn't do it for every couple. But for that couple, it was absolutely right. And yeah. for this vicar, yeah. it was absolutely yeah. right. Um, but yeah, not not everybody was chuffed to bits. And it, but it led to you being on Gogglebox, didn't it? Did. It? it did. So it went viral. It was all over Facebook, all over Twitter. And as I said, people kept tagging me in it, which was really funny. It was like, have you seen this? And it was like, hey. and then people, some people tagged me in it not realising it was me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. She's just like you. She's just like, she looks really like you. <laughs> and all my other uh, female vicar friends got people going, is that you? So just because it, just cause it's got a dog collar and it's a woman, it yeah. must all be the same person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you um, must all know each other. Yeah, we must all know each other, right? So um, the producers of Gogglebox saw that apparently... Um, Tanya um, Alexander, who is Mrs. Gogglebox, saw it and went, get me that priest. So they came round and we we watched telly and they talked to us. And when stuff. when you were making that decision though, whether to say yes to that kind of opportunity, and obviously that would have a big effect. I mean, that's a big thing having it's cameras huge. coming into your home, it's huge. especially when was that? Sort of two thousand and fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, reality and TV. And having a family, yeah, and kids, yeah, exactly. Kids, and the kids were little then; they weren't very old then. So, what was that like for you to make that decision and weigh all that up? Mm. Well, it it was. Uh, thanks for phrasing that question like that because that implies that you understand that. I did think about it because yeah, lots of people think that you know because you know I, they think oh she never she just wanders into stuff and she never thinks things through actually I do tend to sit down and think about stuff quite carefully you know and when I did the flash mob I thought really carefully about whether that was the right thing in the right place in the right time it's what what I do I do do thinking and um <laughs> you know and the same with Gogglebox you know when we were asked to do it don't get me wrong I'm an egotistical maniac and a complete show-off right <laughs> but I try and use that as well as I can yeah. for 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 the mission that I've got if you want to call it that you know so it, 
my und- uh, my sort of underlying message of of my faith is that you're loved and that you you know we need to know more that we're loved and that love is a good thing and you know so when Gogglebox came knocking I thought perhaps here's a really good opportunity to go do you know what she believes in God and she seems all right. <laughs> That's all I was, you know, did I think people would fall on their knees in front of their telly on a Friday night and go, I have seen the light. Of course not, don't be ridiculous. Did I think that when it came to their mum's funeral or their daughter's christening or the school assembly or meeting a vicar in the in the street, they'd go, well, that one on the telly seems all right, so perhaps they're not all bad. And that's all I wanted. And you said that before that you, you, don't, you don't mind as much what other Christians think of you that it's the non-Christians that you are aiming at, that you're, you're in sales. I've heard you saying that. <laughs> I'm in sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not in management. <laughs> yes. Well, it, yeah, to all in, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a clumsy way of phrasing it, I guess. No, I love it. You know, it. it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but yeah, well, you know, I'm selling some of it. That's what we're doing. You know, I'm sell, that's that's what we do. So sell it to me. So I'm someone who, I'm someone who goes to church on Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oh, lovely, do And, you? Um, you know, Harvest Festival and that Smashing. kind of thing. Well, then you and, go to church. But I don't go every Sunday, so sell it to me. I what? don't go every Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Why should I go more? Come on, come on. Do I don't you... know if you should. I don't. The, the straight answer is I don't know if you should. But don't let church put you off God is what I would say. You know, and I think sometimes it does. And I think actually what what we need to think about is the way that we build community, the way that we communicate love. And I think especially in the current climate, you know, a, a culture of kindness and love and acceptance and forgiveness really be quick to forgive. Mm. You know, is is not a bad term really yeah um how would you say that your faith has affected the kind of mum that you are and the way that you bring up your kids <laughs> i don't let them blaspheme but that's about it they can swear but they can't blaspheme are you, they know like, that. Are you super patient and forgiving <laughs> yeah, i'm a nightmare <laughs> i'm like any other see that's the other thing about you know when we did goggle box how i also wanted people to see that we're flawed yeah. you know because that's what people think about you know this funny little piece of plastic i wear around my neck they think somehow you're some sort of bastion of perfection you know that you're somehow holier than everybody else oh no I'm just as flawed and messed up and effed up as anybody else. In fact, sometimes more so <laughs> because I'm trying so hard to like keep that public image going, if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, you, you you make yourself vulnerable. But no, I'm I'm. I'd like to say I'm the most patient mum in the world, but I'm not. I was I was a rubbish mum of toddlers. I was just dreadful. I think um, who, who who's a great oh, mum of toddlers? Let, just, let, you know, let's think about it. I mean, I've got to that stage now. Mine, are, Arthur's coming up for sixteen. Ruby's eighteen, and I've got to that stage now where I just look at other people's little ones and just want to hold fellow mums' hands and go. Dear God, it's going to be okay. I'm praying for you, and I do occasionally walk up to mums of toddlers and go, mm. "Teenagers are brilliant," because yeah. that's what sometimes people do, don't they? They go to mums of toddlers. Oh, you wait till they're a teenager. Oh, I know. Oh, no, teenagers are brilliant. See, I've got a nine-year-old, and she's just starting to get into that slightly being embarrassed by me. Great, kind of phase. Right, so. but, I'm, I, but I'm kind of a bit. I'm I'm scared of the teenage years. No, so brilliant. what advice have you got the for teenage me? Teenage years are absolutely awesome. Teach them how to teach them how to. Uh, cook uh, cook for themselves make food for themselves and for you as quickly as you possibly can it's different for each child so we knew when Ruby was about eight that she could boil a kettle and make a pot of tea Arthur it took a little bit longer but get them some staple things that they can make for themselves mm. you know send them to the post box start sending them to the post box with a letter even if you're not sending anything to anyone <laughs> just get them going to the end of the road with a post box and um, don't put tracker apps on your phones mm, you don't like those no I don't I don't have any we're no, not at that stage I, yet I, but... I find that deeply un- 
uncomfortable. You know, I, I, I know, for, I know it's different for everybody, but for my kids, and you have to make your own decisions, of course. Don't follow my advice. What do I know? I only know what's right for my kids, yeah, right? Of course, of course. So, um, for us, what was right for us was I said to my, I said to Ruby and Arthur, um, we will not have tracker apps on your phones. We will not be following you. Um, but if you want us to do that, so say like, you know, the, I don't know, we, we're trying to meet up in a shopping centre or something, then that is available. Or we'll phone you or we'll text you. But we do ask you to answer your phone and answer your text when we get in touch with you. But I don't want to know where my kids are every minute of the day. So it's that level of trust that you obviously have for them. Yeah. And Arthur's on the autistic spectrum, right? Mm. So, you know, even more so as a kid, having a kid with special needs, it's even more nerve wracking when he goes, I'm just popping into town. You're like, oh my word. Oh my goodness me, this is terrifying. And of course I don't settle till he gets back. Yeah. But part of the communication I want to give them is that I trust them to make good and wise decisions. Um, and we have to remember that those stories we hear on the news about children going missing are really, really rare. Yeah. And what is the balance? You know, that's why they make the news, those stories, yeah. because it's really rare. And what is the balance here between a, cal- a, a sort of calculated risk, if you like, and actually following them every minute of the day. So it's not right for us. It might be right for other people, but it's not right for us. So do you think that has built up their confidence? Do you think that you've got two confident kids who are perhaps more streetwise than if they had felt that they had been tracked and followed by mum and dad? Well, you see, you think that. You think you've done a good job. But what was it <laughs> Philip Larkin said? They... they if they F you up, up your mum and dad. Up, they don't mean to, but they do. You know, you can't help yourself but mess them up, right? Yeah. So... Um, you know, I thought we'd got streetwise kids. I thought I'd taught them everything they needed to know. And then Ruby went to university in September. And I realised that she didn't know how to change a light bulb. And she didn't know how to open a tin. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> how middle class is that? Wow. She'd never opened a tin. But, but then surely most tins have, like, a ring pull these days. Yeah, but she's never opened a tin with a ring pull either. Oh. <laughs> and it was suddenly one of those things. It's like when, it's like when, I, when I tell people that my kids don't eat cold food. So neither of my children eat sandwiches or cold food. Oh, really? Entirely my fault because I never gave them a cold lunch. Oh. See, I'm my, terrible. My, my kids only eat cold food. I'm so bad. <laughs> so I've, got, uh, I've got 13 month old babies. I've got twins. Oh, and we don't even heat ever, up their baby great. foods. You're doing ever so well. <laughs> Look Thanks. at you stood up and breathing in and out. Oh, I know. You're amazing. The same last year. Not You've got <laughs> eyeliner on and everything. <laughs> you should have seen me 12 months ago. Different story. Oh, my um, God. But yeah, we're so bad. We, we don't even heat up their baby food. We just kind of, <laughs> honestly, they eat it cold. And, you know, my, my my eldest, who's nine, like a snack tea, so like sandwiches and, yeah. you know, veg and fruit, you know, brilliant. I think it's because it's the only thing I could do well when they were little. Right. So the only thing I could do well and the only thing I actually enjoyed doing was cooking. I love cooking. So it was the thing that I was like, right, if I can do this, if I can give them a hot lunch and a hot tea every day, then I have done it. Yeah. You know, the house might be like a bomb site. I might have, you know food all down my front and I haven't seen a lipstick or clean my teeth for three days but as long as they had pasta and pesto middle class chicken nuggets as we call it (laughs) as long as they had pasta and pesto it was all good you know what I mean I was holding on to it you do what you need don't you so have you now taught her a few basic dishes she she can't open a tin now right Mm. but she's a good baker and she's really good at cooking but you you see that's that's my thing so she was (laughs) I remember her doing instant noodles for her friends once who obviously have never don't cook and they were a sta- Ruby you're such a good they're instant noodles you know everybody should be able to make 
make a pack of instant noodles, well, shouldn't they? She'll be fine at university if she can do instant noodles because that, that I lived off instant yeah, noodles. Yeah, yeah. Marmite on toast and instant noodles was like my lunch. Instant noodles, handful of prawns, handful of peas, handful of spring onions. That's posh. A little bit of um, sesame oil at the end, some powdered garlic. That's well posh. I, I literally just like put water in them and stir it and then eat them. <laughs> I didn't realise that you could add to them. You can make them. like a proper soup out of it. You see, but, but I've got into trouble with her this week because she messaged me and went, I've run out of garlic powder for my noodles, mum. So because I think I'm hilarious, I ordered a garlic powder, but I ordered a four kilograms of garlic powder. So she's no. got a sack of garlic powder in her university halls because I think I'm hilarious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, I'm trolling my own child oh, with condiments. Poor baby. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, what was it like sending a child off to university? It was brilliant and utterly fabulous. Really? Absolutely brilliant. It wasn't terrifying. No. It's, this is what would... I think as well, because I've got a child on the... You know, a, a brother's special needs, he probably might never leave home. Mm. This... This is the one that's leaving home. This is the one that, you know, she's always wanted to go. So she's getting everything she ever wanted. So, you know, why why would I be sad about it? I mean, don't get me wrong. I miss her when RuPaul's Drag Race is on. And, you know, she's the first person I text on Bake Off night and that sort of do thing. Do you do that? Do you, do you yes, kind of watch TV well, yeah, and, and watch that phone? Up. We get the phone up and FaceTime and we I sit with the phone opposite the telly and we watch telly together. And I go, oh, my word, look at that, like that. And we, you That's know, RuPaul's so nice. Drag Race, we... She couldn't watch it at the, the final last week. She couldn't watch it at the same time as me. So we made an appointment in our diaries so that we could FaceTime each other and watch RuPaul's Drag Race That's together. That's so nice. Because we've got the same sense of humour. Yeah. But yeah, it's brilliant sending kids off to university. Don't believe this. You don't have to buy into this sorrow and heartbreak about it if you don't want. And that's the thing for me about being a mum is actually, do you know what? Sometimes we just layer on the guilt on ourselves mm. and it's hard enough. Yeah. It's hard enough growing humans and raising humans and keeping them alive without feeling bad about stuff. So I don't feel bad that I don't feel bad about Good. sending her to uni. Good. I feel great about it. And it's what, great. What's it like? Um, what's it been like being um, the mum of a kid who is on the autistic yeah. spectrum? Has that been hard for you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, I'm it's taken me a long while to get my head around it, and I'm there are still days when, um, you know, you you find yourself. Not wishing he was neurotypical, that's not quite the right phrase, because of course he wouldn't be Arthur then. Mm. But um, just wishing life was a bit easier for him. Um, it's tricky, it's challenging, you know. It, it, and of course what, what us neurotypicals want to hear is that, and people do this, that haven't got a child with special needs, they go, oh, but he's so lovely and he's, you know, he's so, yeah, he is, but he's also not yours, so you don't know what it's like, yeah. you know. So, yeah. um, you know, there 
for example, we've just had his GCSE mocks and he wrote his name on the top of the paper and then didn't write anything else. And the chance of him passing exams are going to be quite low. But yet, you know, he te- sent me a series of texts yesterday about um, the Reformation and um, plenary indulgences in the Catholic medieval Catholic Church wow. um, to his mum who's got two degrees in theology. Yeah. You know, and we were having this... But, you know, if the examiner could sit down with him while he was playing Mario Kart and said, Arthur... Tell me about, I don't know, the Weimar Republic. He'd go, well, did you know? And that'd yeah, be it. But yeah. he, the, the exams, you know, the ex- exams don't work like that, do they? Do you think that we still have a long way to go before we have a proper understanding of how to communicate with these kids and, you know, kind of, you know, see them? I mean, we, we've come a long way. Yeah. Like 20, 30 yeah, years yeah. ago, it wouldn't have even been diagnosed. No, no, no. It's um, I think I think the case is, you know, Arthur once turned around to me and said he'd either thought I might be the normal one. And actually there is a theory that children with autism have a, a just further on in the evolutionary scale. Yeah. And actually they're they're the leaders of the future. You we know? just don't understand it yet. We just don't understand it yet. Mm. Um I think we've got a we I think you know, what underpins everything is just we need to just be kinder mm. and we need to just love people for who they are rather than trying to change them and make them any different um and you know there's a lot to learn i have a lot to learn and have learned a lot from my little boy you know things like when he was little um christmas would last all year because he would get a pile of presents and he would open one present and then he would play with that present until it was finished wow. then he would open the next present so you know that whole ripping the paper off consume the presents you know this this and the kids forget what they've been bought and all that yeah. uh, that would never happen so it would get to July and we would say to Arthur you've got still got another Christmas present to open and he'd go yeah but I haven't finished with the last one yet that's so nice and there's something in that box sets you can't watch box sets so you know you and me might sit down and watch The Crown in a whole afternoon and get nothing done and have that slight sicky feeling after we've watched too many episodes because we've binged it yeah Arthur uh, Stranger Things decided that the time Stranger Things was on for him was 8 o'clock on a Friday night and he would watch one episode at 8 o'clock on a Friday wow. night then he would wait another week and watch the next one at 8 o'clock on a Friday night and he said you know and he would say but that's how TV is supposed to be watched yeah. it's delayed gratification there's something to learn there isn't there yeah there really is something to learn there I think we all need to take a leaf out of his book when it comes to <laughs> box sets but he probably won't pass a GCSE but you know oh. what do GCSEs tell us well exactly exactly it's not it's not everything in, and in it's life, not for it? everybody you know it's not it's just not for everyone um he'll either be a car park attendant or managing director of disney pixar and he'll be really happy doing both <laughs> or either and as a mum that's all you want for him i'm yeah, guessing yeah. is just yeah. to be happy and actually he's and, doing. and actually what's really interesting about arthur is when you ask him what he wants and what he wants to be and all that sort of stuff and of course our dialogue in in society is that we we our children we are we are conditioned to produce consumers and producers you know we talk in terms of their effectiveness to earn spend Mm. and consume that's Mm. how we define our children so we talk about what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want for christmas those are the kind of questions we ask children aren't they and so what we're promoting to them is your usefulness is in what you can make and what you can buy so what should we be asking them then? And because I'm, I, you're right. Yeah, I, that's what we do. We, yeah. That's how we frame all our questions. You know, even their maths papers. Even when they come on with their maths in primary school, it's Jenny has five pounds and she spends sixty-seven pence on sweet. It's all about money. Yeah. It's all about which you, consuming which, and producing. You can understand because that is that is how the world works. And yeah. you want kids of to course. learn those practical skills. Of course, but there's a balance within that. You know, if we said Jenny picks five flowers and she gives three to her friends, you know, th- we could change some of the language mm. around what we're 
teaching kids, right? Yeah. So of course they need to learn about money and of course they need to know, know what a 10p looks like and a 20p and a five pound and all that sort of stuff. Of course they need that. But perhaps there's other ways of framing the questions that we ask our children. So when we talk to Arthur about the future, we try not to say to him, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because he will just say, happy. Mm. And actually when you ask him those questions, he goes, I want to be a dad and I want to be a husband. And I think I would be a good husband. And he would. He'd be great. Yeah. He can't lie for toffee. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so they've been, you know, they've been on that. But I just wonder whether, because of the kind of world we live in, we we are conditioned to produce pres- consumers. Yeah. I'd never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. Um, now, Christmas is coming up. And it you're, is. You're presenting on Radio 2 on Christmas Day, aren't you? I am you? the voice of people opening their presents on Christmas morning. If you haven't got your sprouts on, by the time you hear me saying good morning, they'll never be ready for dinner time. Are you doing it live? Yeah. Wow. Eight till ten. So how do you balance that off with family time? Incredibly badly. <laughs> I um yeah I work the nature of my job is you know doing freelance being freelance in the media is when I'm working I'm really working so you know this week I'm in uh, I'm in Kinross tomorrow in Scotland for three days um last week I was in oh, Chelmsford um I'm in London today you know I I've got older kids so that makes it a bit easier I've got a husband who works two and a half days a week so that makes it a bit easier um but I think that as well as there being disadvantages with having a hard-working mum there's also advantages to that as well you know um communicating stuff about you know being being a a woman who can earn her own money and and being a woman who is in broadcasting and you know having a slightly famous mum does have its benefits <laughs> slightly at times. famous um, you know what kind of parks have your, have your kids enjoyed well them? ruby went to the premiere of rupaul's drag race oh, <laughs> so wow. she really enjoyed that um but yeah it, it's um you know it, a girl's got to pay a mortgage right so you know that's that's how it that's how it works um and uh, yeah, I love what I do. They also can tell when I haven't been at work for a few days and they go, when have you got something in your diary to get out of? Because they know what I'm like, yeah. you know. It, being an extreme extrovert, this is what I thrive off. This is where I blossom. And so it's not just about paying the mortgage. It's yeah. actually actually also about me being fulfilled and me feeling like I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing, mm. you know. And whether, you know, and if what you're meant to be doing, if your vocation is being a, at home, a stay-at-home mum, which I was, you know, when the kids were little, um, then that's great. But right now... I'm 44 and I'm, you know, the hardest funerals I do are the ones where I have nothing to say. Mm. I want mine, Vicar, at my funeral to have to have a break for sandwiches and a loo halfway. Actually, he'd have have a hot meal, wouldn't he, if it was anything to do with me. (laughs) Got to be uh, posh super noodles. (laughs) posh super noodles. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel any more judgment as a woman who is busy working than, say, you know, if if your husband was out doing what you're doing and you were working two and a half days. Yeah, the the narrative still is, the first thing that people ask me is, what do the children think of what you do? And um, the subtext of that question is, shouldn't you be at home looking after your children? You know, the number of people who say, poor Graham, poor, like, don't feel too sorry for him, right? I had a woman in the supermarket the other day and she was saying to me... um, what you oh it's you she said and I said hello hello and I was really polite to her and everything I said I shook her hand and I said hello and you know all that kind of thing and I introduced myself because people always people people always know who I am but I don't know who they are so I always make a point asking someone's name and asking you know who they are and where they're from and all that kind of stuff yo oh what are you doing here and what are you doing here and I said I'm doing my big shop like that and she was like you ain't got time to do a big shop you never have that telly and that wireless <sighs> and she kept going on and on well it's your poor kids I feel sorry for and your poor husband I bet he has to do everything at home your poor husband your poor husband and I went oi 
I got really fed up and I went, can I just stop you there? I said, poor husband, poor husband, don't believe a word of it. He gets his mortgage paid and I'm fabulous in bed. And and she went, and I could see as I went round the corner at Cheese Isle, her mouth was still wide open (laughs) because she was so shocked I'd actually said it. You know, so of course it comes with benefits and it comes with drawbacks like anything we do, you know, and we're all just trying to balance it, aren't we? We're all just trying to make the most of what we can do. But what I know is that I am a happier and better mum and wife when I am doing stuff that makes me feel fulfilled and happy. And one of those things is being on Radio 2. One of those things is being on the telly, you know, being able to do what I do. You know, it feels great. Yeah, that's so good. So on Christmas Day, are you broadcasting from London? From and Salford. Then, you're doing it from Salford, Salford, 8 till 10 Christmas morning, while you're opening your stockings. Um, I will, ha- I know it's radio, but I'll still have my Santa out, my elf suit on, of course, because, you know, I've got to wear my elf suit, because as long as you've got your elf... Oh... <gasps> What were you saying about your bad sense of humour? Terrible, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that a dreadful joke? Um, so yeah, lots of lots of Christmas tunes, a nice relaxed atmosphere, you know. And I I just love it. And so Christmas Christmas for me has changed over the years. When I was full time parish priest, because I'm like a supply vicar these days, you know, mm. I fill in for colleagues and so on. You know, when I had three churches of my own, it was a marathon. It, I was exhausted by the time Christmas Day came. I'm are. a different sort of tired now. Yeah. You know, because we talk about me doing media stuff and, and being a mum, but it, when I was a full-time parish priest as well, and, you, ha- you know, we lived in a vicarage, so the kids got really used to it being a public space and people coming and going mm. and the house wasn't their, their home wasn't their own and things like that. So it, it, they've had to share their mummy for a long time. I bet they have. You know, and I could never get around a supermarket even before I was on the telly. Yeah. You know, because I always ended up talking to people because that's what, that's what I do. That is your job. So how do we, how do we talk to our kids about Christmas in a way that is about like the, the true meaning of Christmas but in a way that they don't switch off. So I was listening to my daughter um, the other day I was chatting to her about what she'd been doing at school and she said to me um, well we had to write down three things that we like about Christmas but the Jesus Christmas not the fun Christmas not the, uh, not the fun Christmas because <laughs> the Jesus Christmas isn't the fun bit so what I so one of the brilliant things about having your own family right is that you can make your own traditions and you are not in a prison of the traditions of your of your fam- of your family when you were little you can make all your own it, I mean some of those traditions are brilliant right but you can choose which ones you want to bring into your family yeah. and which ones you go actually I don't think we will do that so build up your own traditions so things like um you know lighting candles is really powerful because it's a lovely visual symbol for kids so you could walk past the church you see the doors open go in and light a candle you don't need to explain anything you don't need to say anything and if you don't know the answer you can say to kids i don't know you know we have this obsession about trying to answer all kids questions you know especially when it comes to things like for example death you know or a star in the sky don't if you don't know and you don't know what you believe just say i don't know what i believe but this is what some people believe. And this is what other people believe. Yeah. And you can make your own choices. because, you know, And kids will naturally ask those kind. In fact, they're brilliant at questions. But what we teach them as adults is to stop asking the question. Yeah, That's what we teach them. Because, yeah. because we shut down their questions, especially the difficult ones, right? Yeah. Sex, death, you know, those kind of questions. Because we just don't know. We're too awkward and embarrassed. So yeah. we shut those questions down. Anyway, we're talking about Christmas, not those. <laughs> Lighting candles, um, a nativity scene. 
a lovely nativity scene. Mm. And what we do is we hide the baby Jesus in our house. And baby Jesus does not go into the manger until Christmas Eve, oh. until bedtime at Christmas Eve. That's lovely. And we put the little baby in the manger. And that's when we know that it's Christmas because the baby's in there. You know, and sometimes we'll play games like hiding him around the house and so on. Um, things like reverse advent calendars. Yes. So, you know, as they open their cal- advent calendar doors, absolute advent calendars are brilliant, right? I've got a Star Wars one. Very exciting. Um, <laughs> You open your chocolate, you eat your chocolate for breakfast, and then you buy something to put in the food bank. You know, building in those things. Enjoy Christmas. And if you want to spend money on your kids, then you go for it, you know. They're your kids and it's your money. It's not our. It's not my place to tell you what to do with your cash. But I think it's really important to build those traditions. And if you want to go to church, if you want to light a candle, go and put some flowers on a relative's grave. Remember people that aren't with you. Pausing before you eat your dinner on Christmas Day. Rather than just shoving it in, actually just sitting all down as a family, taking that moment to go, isn't this lovely? You know, we say grace, obviously, but not everybody does. But just taking a moment and just building these traditions that don't cost anything, but actually make the experience much richer. And try and encourage them to think that the Jesus Christmas is also the fun Christmas. I know, but I did say to her, I said, I said but your teacher didn't put it that way, did she? No. You do know there'd be no Christmas without the Jesus, yes. right? We've got to thank Jesus for Christmas. You know, and just, and you don't need to, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to own every single word of the story if that's not your tradition and that's not for you. Of course, of course, I would love it if everybody went, oh, yeah, this this is for me. Christianity is for me. Of course I would. But, you know, it, it, it's about embracing the spirit of holiday and remembering that it isn't just a consumer. I'm world's worst, by the way. You know, I'm saying all this, and I am the world's worst because we're terrible, aren't we, right? Yeah. yeah. And, you, and, and that's the constant battle of being a mum is to keep things in balance all the time, to keep your sanity, to try and encourage your kids to be good strong healthy independent grown-ups when they get there as as much as they can be and for us all to get out of this as alive eh? absolutely (laughs) um well listen kate i will be listening on christmas morning text in i'll give you a shout out i will (laughs) i actually will i know (laughs) i'll play mariah carey just for you (laughs) i I, I love nothing more than texting in or um uh, when i was a teenager and i used to listen to radio one Uh um i used to fax in my dad had a fax machine i love that I used to fax in questions for like take that and boy zone but I knew that they probably would get asked because how many faxes did Radio 1 receive in the 90s Um, and my questions were always asked I love texting in or you know the earlier the better go go the earlier the better in the show in fact you can even text in before the show goes on air or email before the show goes on air that's the tip that's the thing but yeah I'd be delighted to give you a shout out I'll be there I'll be there Um, thank you so much for being my guest today it's been so great to chat to you wasn't kate fab love her well that's it for this series of not another mummy podcast thank you so much for tuning in and i'll be back next year with a new series
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.